All right, welcome to another episode of Family Tech Live. Um, I'm super excited about today's guest. I've actually had his book for a while. Good. That's good to it, see. <laughs> yep, it's fantastic. If you have any questions about gaming, <laughs> it's in this book. Like literally, and it's really sorry, I'm just gonna like toot your horn for a little bit. You carry on. Um, I'll listen. Yeah. But yeah, like it's it's so like colorful and like engaging it's not like a you know it's not boring for sure and you can like easily find you know the other day i actually had to write a post about roblox um for verizon and i'm like oh let me see what he says about it like <laughs> <laughs> so super super easy to navigate awesome awesome book so um aside from being like the official author of how gaming and families and healthy gaming should work um tell us a little bit about yourself and you know how you got started and about yeah. a little bit about your kids and stuff so yeah i'm i'm a father i live in the uk i've got three kids um i was trying to remember I was, we were talking before we started so 19 year old <laughs> daughter 17 year old son and a 14 year old son and so they're the older age of, age of things but we've kind of obviously tracked through that whole process of having technology in the home and as you as you could read in the book it's kind of something I've wanted to engage with and take a step forward into um and so that's the book is kind of my journey with that but alongside that I'm a technology journalist and so I did I started probably 15 years ago writing for a bunch of places actually and the funny thing is that probably the most prestigious place I've written for is Wired and that was my first gig they had this oh that's awesome geek, geek dad set of bloggers at, at Wired and I kind yeah. of got scooped up into that by this very generous editor, Ken Demede. Um, yeah, and and I didn't quite realise what was happening. <laughs> and so it, and it was kind of like lots of like, oh, would you review this? Would you review that? So some nice freebies, some really, like, you'd write something and people would read it. And so that got me got me started and sort of, I've just worked my way around a variety of different places at the minute. I Probably the highest profile places, Forbes, um, technology blog, I'm part awesome. of that, which is great. Um, uh, and I do some sort of like other journalist stuff like broadcast and things for if, if something happens in the video game space then usually I'm called in hopefully to kind of be the voice of reason and I I kind of <laughs> sit in the middle because I've, yeah. I've got a background in computer science um and so but, but a kind of an understanding of how families work so I'm often advocating for this is difficult in a family and it doesn't just doesn't just solve itself but equally the games can be okay if you if you get them right they can be amazing um and so I'm kind of often all on both sides kind of in the middle of this kind of argument which is often happening just people are at each other right. um trying to sort of make some connections to actually say well what do we do while we're arguing about what's right and wrong what do we do for the parents that are doing the parenting now and that's what the book right. was really is like wanting to create something that offered some things to do now while we're working out this new thing of video games and, and families and trying to make sense of it yeah, and that's what I really um, love. A, your YouTube channel is amazing as well. So there's a ton of videos on the YouTube channel. So definitely, um, I put a link to the YouTube channel in the description. Um, so check that out. Um, but yeah, with that, and I've seen you on podcasts and on TV and everywhere. So um, I'm really glad to have that voice of reason because, um, you know, I'm a very tech positive person. This is a very tech positive space. You know, I just want to help parents have the tools they need to manage it all. And um, and that's what I really liked about your approach to, you know, it's not, you know, video games are not the enemy here or anything like that. It's um, 
you know, it's very tech positive. So I really like that about good, your approach. Good, yes. Likewise, you know, the stuff I've read of, of yours, I feel we've definitely got this sort of synergy there, of kind of yeah. trying to provide information so parents can make that kind of informed choice. A lot of people in this space are like, this is the right way to do it. This is the wrong way to do it. And actually every family is different and parents know their kids better than we do, obviously. So they're yeah. the ones that have to deal with the consequences of the decision. So they need to, you know, make that in an informed way. Yeah, for sure. And if you have any questions for Andy or for me, um, you know, definitely pop that in the comments. Um, if you're watching this afterwards, um, not live, you know, you still go ahead and put those in the comments and uh, we can try and monitor that a little bit and answer those questions. So um, so definitely let us know if you've got any. But I have some questions pre-prepared for you, Andy. And so we're just talking um, about, you know, tech positive. So what are some of the benefits of gaming? Yeah, so I think a lot of, in the past, we used to kind of point to the quite hard skills of, of games as kind of a justification while to sort of alleviate our, our concerns. So it would be, um, oh, you'd get hand-eye coordination, or maybe you'd get sort of teamwork, or you'd learn, you'd be learning reading and those sorts of things, which I think some of that's true. But in the research I did for the book, actually, the studies show that there's not a, a great correlation between, um, or causation of that that um, learning actually then carrying on um, into kind of the rest of life and the the stuff that's more effective are kind of the softer skills so kind of like learning how to socialize with other people doing a doing work around identity um, and sort of trying out trying out being a different character in a game or, or being in situations where maybe you're not comfortable and you're working that out particularly if you're doing that in a context with a parent or with a sibling or in a group then it's those kind of those those things actually create benefits that we're trying to create this space where children can can do the sort of stuff that it's really it's just sort of stuff that happens whenever they play, but it creates another space for them to play. Um, and particularly, obviously, if they can't meet in person, as was was the case and sometimes is the case still, um, you know, that it right. perpetuates that. So. That's usually what I would focus on. It's these sort of softer skills. And that, what I like about that is because it, it means that kind of video games get to just be themselves. Kind of it's just experience them in the whole that kind of then as a set, sort of a, a sort of collateral learning happens along with just just the play. And so they're not being put to work to teach reading, put to work to teach math, which they which they could they can do. But it means you kind of miss the main benefit of video games as a new media that it's really this, it's a new thing we're getting to grips with. So we've got movies, we've got books and we've got games and there's some overlap, but games do some things which are very unique. And I think that's where the biggest benefits are. Yeah, those are great. Um, another one I would just add to that is like, I feel like resilient, bleh, resilience, yeah. you know, they fail a level over and over and over again. And then, you know, at the end, they finally beat the boss or the level and they have that sense of accomplishment, but they, you know, experience those failures. And I think that's important too. You know, it's a lot of kids these days, like we're afraid to let them fail. And this is a really easy way to let them fail um, and then overcome, you know. Yeah, definitely. And particularly, I think as parents, it's easy to see a child play a game and get cross and think, oh, right. that game's bad for you. It's made you angry. Rather mm -hmm. than helping them process and interpret their, their behavior and say, well, what is happening? What, what was it about the end of that game that made you feel like that? How could you do differently next time? Let's uh, give them space to reflect on it. So again, as part of the kind of the book and the work I do with families is usually trying to help close that gap between 
the, ch the child's um, gaming activity in the presence of a parent and kind of bring those two things together, which isn't easy in the home, particularly if you don't play games yourself. And, and right. they sort of, they gravitate towards bedrooms and become a separate thing. Um, but there's, it's really beneficial, I think, to do some work to keep like the, sort of the best gaming in the family space and also to have this open conversation and then things like that, that resilient stuff, then you can really be ambitious for that. And maybe your child is just successful at all the games they play. So as a parent, <laughs> we're like, oh, actually, well, why don't we find something that's a bit more of a challenge and, and right. we bring that ambition to them. And that's kind of an unusual process for a parent to say, there's this game I think you should play. Um, yeah. And off the back of the book, you've got those suggestions and we've I've created this database. And part of it is to try to help parents kind of become an expert in a really easy way without lots of time investment so that they can then kind of lead their child in the way they do about books and films. Right, exactly. So yeah, yeah I love all those benefits. That's great. Um, so we've talked about the benefits, so we do have to kind of touch on the dangers because, yeah, you know, everything's not all roses and glass houses. Yeah. So, um, you know, so what are kind of some of the dangers kids can encounter through gaming and how do we kind of mitigate that? So the dangers that get the headlines that are most worried about, the ones I talk in the book, are the things that parents are scared of, really, is... The impact of violence, that, that a violent game will create violent behaviour, um, that games can be addictive, that they are kind of designed to sort of trap a child to, to play more than they want, that they can be a route into gambling, um, so that you, you've, in a, you're experiencing a game, it might have a gambling-like behaviour, and then it seems maybe that's the road into then having an adult gambling problem. And then, of course, interactions with strangers, like the child is maybe having a conversation with someone who doesn't have their best interest at heart for any for any reason. Um, so th those are kind of the four kind of concerns and they're, they are they, they are real um, and they, they, games can have negative impacts in there, but they're often kind of conflated. So for example, the violent side, um, the studies we have say that there's a correlation between a child who plays violently in the playground and plays violent video games. And, so, and that's a correlation. So it's saying, oh, there's th these, these, these children who do this also do this in the study. Um, but sure. that then gets reported in a, in a headline, video games cause violent behavior. And I, I see that kind of sent to me as a journalist to report on, and I'm, that's kind of the headline it's set up as. Right. And I see the same data, particularly over lockdown in the UK, there was an example um, that said, oh, there's a correlation between anxious people at the moment and listening to the radio. And the headline for that was um, anxious Brits turn to the radio for relief during lockdown. So there was this increasing radio listening and, okay. and, and it, it, it correlated with anxiety. And it was seen as a positive thing that the radio was alleviating anxiety. Whereas on the video game side, the same correlation um, pattern is the games are causing. Right. And, and so <laughs> it's, it's important, I think, just to tease that apart so that we can kind of be informed about what the reality is. But, that, but at the same time, it's, it's not to say that correlation is real and it doesn't mean there's nothing to worry about. But it also it might mean that that's a positive thing for a, a child who has a violent tendency for whatever reason. If they've got a video game space where they can act that out, particularly if they've got a parent that help, then helps them reflect on that behavior, it could be a positive thing. And so there's a lot of kind of muddled thinking around what are and aren't the dangers. And that often results in sort of parents and children becoming separated over what they think about video games so the children have one impression of games because they kind of have a good idea about what they're getting from them and the parents have another impression of games and 
often physically in the home, the, ch- the kids end up in the bedrooms and the parents don't see them. Um, and so I think that actually that is the bigger danger that a child becomes separated from their parents and plays games on their own, which means that if something happens in the game that's, that's unsettling, they're less likely to tell the parent because they'll be worried. Oh, if I tell mum or dad, they might take the game away because they wouldn't understand. And that's the moment you want a situation where, you know, if your child comes across something that's, un- that's unsettling, they'll tell you. And be like, oh, there's this weird thing. Like, this, there's someone asked me like where I lived, or like they asked right. me, you know. And that's that's the gold dust. That's the moment you. And so the danger is if you just lock it down and just focus on complete safety, you can miss the fact that actually you're setting them up for just being very separate from you. So for me, that's actually the bigger danger than the headlines around sort of violence and addiction and um, you know, those other things. Because the, because the percentage of those things are very small um, compared to the kind of the more broader, how do we parent children around video games? Yeah, so that actually segues really great into my next question. Um, in your book, you talk about um, parenting, not policing. So um, yeah. I think you kind of touched on that, but what do you mean by that? And explain that philosophy a little bit more. I loved the phrase, by the way. Yeah, yeah I think it's easy for us to miss, miss this opportunity. Like video games are really vibrant important part of a child's life um and they're something that they're probably going to do for their whole life and and it can we can get into the habit of thinking we don't like games we're worried about them and if we just resist them for a while for long enough eventually kids will grow out of them they'll move on we'll breathe a sigh of relief um and so what what we end up doing is just trying to minimize the whole time and so we're kind of policing them to keep them safe or just to keep them within these these sort of boundaries rather than actually thinking oh my role isn't to minimize games it's to try and help my child have a positive lifelong relationship with video games in the same way that I want them to have a positive lifelong relationship to books or to films or to music or theater learning foreign languages learning instruments and all those things it seems almost peculiar or strange to put that in the same category as having ambitions for how our child might relate to video games um but but making that turn suddenly makes a lot of sense in the home um, and kind of switches us and turns on a lot of the kind of parenting power that we've got and it is it it's difficult to at first but with that with a bit of effort you can really turn around some of those conversations so that rather than just being the one saying no that you can't play that you can't play that you can be that person who's saying oh well, maybe you can't play this, you're not old enough, but actually there's another game you could play that would be much better. And maybe we play it together or there's a game like this. These games are all quite easy. Like I was just saying, why don't we try something <laughs> a bit more difficult? Or, you know, you, you're playing just games that are about shooting or sport or something. Why don't we play something about fishing? Or, you know, so you can have that kind of same ambition for games in a similar way that you would for like learning an instrument or learning a foreign language. And I kind of like the kind of the jarring nature of that because it sounds nonsense when you first hear it. But actually, in my experience, it's a really powerful bit of advice. And the parents who do that will come back to me and say, like, you know what? I feel like I've got my voice back. And, and it's really, you know, that can be quite emotional. Um, yeah. So I think it's, it's, it's a lovely thing to kind of help parents move through. But, it, but at the same time, it's not, it's not an easy, quick fix. It is, it requires effort and it's a long-term game. So... I'm aware that it's easy just to say, just unplug the router or, you know, take the power cord, you know, right, <laughs> right. short term win. Yeah. So speaking of that, um, 
So we do have a question, but um, mm -hmm. uh, May Megan will get that um, in just a little bit because I want to touch on a couple things. Um, but I'll I'll bring it in when it's a little bit more relevant to what we're talking about. Um, but uh, I'm gonna skip a question in my thing that I sent you. Um, I'll touch on it again later as well. But we because we've been talking about kind of addiction and like things um, in part of like the dangers. So everybody asks me about time limits and they want me to tell them specific, yeah. like how long. How long's too should... long. <laughs> right, right. So yeah. what are your kind of your time limits and what do you recommend for families? Yeah, it is. That is what we run to as parents. It's like, well, how long's too long for a six-year-old or how long too long for a 10-year-old? And I think the 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 answer is that there's not a there's some common sense stuff. And you could easily pick numbers out of a hat. And some organizations do that. Right. And it feels like they're helping. But actually, I think, again, that they're kind of muddying the water by feel, by making parents feel like they've, they've done their job by right. setting a limit. And it, it's, it's easy to do. So what I usually do is to move the conversation to talk about sort of the varied diet. And like when we when we think about a child, what a child's eating, we don't think about plate time. Like how much plate time is too much plate time? <laughs> yeah. for a I love this. We're like, we're like, well, what's on the plate? Like, it's fine for yeah. them to be eating a lot, but are they eating vegetables and are they eating, you know, if it's just sweets, we don't right. then say, okay, just eat sweets an hour a day and you'll be fine. We're like, then you'll be great. You need some vegetables. And also, and, yeah. and at the same time, that takes us into this territory of actually demonstrating this varied diet ourselves. And with vegetables, obviously, when the kids are young, we make very clear that we're eating our vegetables and I don't know about you, but I think it's a common parent thing that you make yumming noises. Like, oh, yum, yum, yum. Right. The broccoli's lovely. You know, even if you don't like it to kind of, <laughs> to, to really make clear that this is something that we understand. And so yeah. I think switching that thinking to like, well, what is my child doing? If they're just doing four hours a day of one thing, then that isn't great. It's going to, they're probably quite bored of the whole thing anyway. Um, and actually would welcome some variety. Um, but to, rather than to say, well, what we're going to do is to slap a limit on it to say, well, let's introduce some other things, maybe some stuff we do together, um, you know, maybe some other sorts of activities, uh, uh, you know, alongside saying what's those limits. And sometimes, particularly if it's got out of hand and they're playing a long time, then it's good to bring some limits in to bring some structure. But to see that as a short term kind of solution and to do that with the child, to sort of sit down with them and say, look, you're playing four hours a day or whatever it is. But it means you're not getting outside or you're missing out on this or you're not, you know, whatever it is that they're kind of missing out on. And usually my experience, not every child, but most child, it, you know, is relatively, you know, put their hand up and be like, oh, yeah, well, maybe two hours would be enough or whatever. And then you can set up your system, as you know, to then automatically limit it together. You can set that with them. So then it's not you as a parent coming in again and kind of okay. policing them. But I think that's important. We see that as a short term solution to get some breathing space. To then do the parenting of leading them into a, a varied diet, which kind of the industry itself doesn't do a super job of because they kind of get funneled into the big games. And so, again, this this um, taming gaming database that goes along with the book and the back of the book itself is designed to help parents discover get brilliant games that kids will love. Um, but uh, the kind of unusually varied the sort of varied diet and, and also games you can play together. No. Um, and my philosophy is exactly the same. Like, so whenever when someone's like, you know, how long? I'm like, well, I don't ever tell people a time because yeah. it's different for every kid. It's different for mm -hmm. every family. And, you know, it's obviously different for the kinds of games you're playing as well. Um, but what I do usually say is like, I set a like one hour time limit to begin with. And then I am very free with adding more time. But I, you know, I like to have those natural breaks where they like, 
come upstairs and they're like, Hey mom, can I have some more time? You know, Oh, okay. Well, did you get your chores done? You know, et cetera, et cetera. I can check in with them and Mm -hmm. then grant more time, you know? So overall for the day, I don't know. They may be playing like eight hours in the summer or whatever, but I have those natural breaks and those natural check-ins where I'm, it's like, okay, I'll give you one more hour. And then they play for another hour and then check in again and then play for another hour. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And it means that each of those times, you know, it's a chance also to see what they're doing. Like, oh, how, you know, how you do, why do you need more time? Have you not, did you not finish that mission? Like what are you doing next? How's it going? Who else you're playing with? Um, And again, and and those questions, they help you and they help the connection but they also help the child kind of reflect on what they're doing. And sometimes it's like, oh, yeah, I've, I'm just doing the same thing again and again. I didn't get anywhere. <laughs> and actually it's quite frustrating. And then so then you're in a position to say, well, maybe like play something different or do something different. Yeah. You know, don't just keep hammering your head against this one thing. Um, right. When kids, you know, when they're younger, particularly, they don't have that same kind of um, kind of cerebral development to kind of make those connections. And so some of those questions can really help help them learn to reflect. Yeah. Like I'm really stuck on this level. Like, can you come help me? You know, yeah. okay. Yeah. I'll give you some more time and let's go, let's go check yeah, it out. Let's look it up, look on YouTube, find a, you know, right. how you're supposed find to do a good this. tutorial. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so I, we've talked about this a lot actually. Um, and so if you just have any other additional things you want to add if, or if you feel like you've covered it well, but, um, how can parents be more involved with their gamer kids? So the, the through line of the book, and I, I don't know how, how clear it is, but the kind of the, the what I'm kind of I feel like I keep coming back to is if you've got a child who loves video games, the most powerful thing you can do is to play games yourself. Um, and most initially, most parents will think I mean play games with your child, which I wouldn't disparage. But I'm actually saying something sure. a little bit more kind of awkward, which is kind of this reframing of games to say, well, they are for kids sometimes. So actually, there's loads of games that adults play. And the kind of the average age of somebody who plays games is kind of high 30s and it's going up. Um, and so if you can find a game that you... We're the Nintendo de- generation. We've grown up with Yeah, exactly. Um, so if you, can, if you can find a game that you yourself want to play as a mature adult, so it's kind of either it's just it's just fun or maybe it's a game that's about an interesting topic or it's an unusual way to engage with something or it's a, it's a sense of connection or achievement or escapism. Um, and if you if you want to do that, say, in an evening rather than watching some Netflix, then it can, you know, because obviously things compete for time. That you think that that means that then you become an insider in the gaming world, but I, I always say that that's I know that sounds kind of nonsense, and I'm often stopped literally in the middle of saying that by someone, particularly in a school setting, who'll say, "I love what you're saying. I want to connect with my boys." It's often boys they're talking about. Um, but can I just say I'm never going to play a game because I don't like shooting things and there's just too many buttons and I'm really busy. And I'm like, oh great, because this is where this conversation starts. Like, do you want to come on right. a journey? And so the back of the book. <laughs> And the database is designed to take people from never playing a game, never held a controller, to some experiences that, um, you know, that I think, and I, because I, I go through this process with lots of parents, um, will take them into, oh, I didn't realize games could do that. Like there's a game about refugees, um, right. and a Syrian refugee, and you kind of help her get across to Europe in different ways that really can reframe what you think about topics, much like a, you know, a documentary or something like that. And so, you start to realize, oh, there's more to these games than kind of meets the eye. And, and then suddenly the conversation you have with your child is, is very different. And that's where that kind of quote often comes back from those parents that are saying, oh, I didn't realize it, but I, I felt like I was losing my kids to these games. And, and actually I've realized that now we're kind of, I'm bringing them back and it wasn't as hard as I thought. So that's yeah. the, 
I think that's the kind of rocket fuel for it. And it, I know that it sounds really a bit odd and a bit impossible, like, like a category mistake, like why would an adult play sure. a game? But my experience is um, taking some time to take that journey. And those, the games I suggest are like 10 minutes long and very easy right. to play on your phone and very cheap. Um, it's, it's really powerful and it, it really kind of changes the conversation in the home, sort of diffuses it in lots of ways, particularly if you do that when your kids are a little bit younger, um, yeah. in the sort of 10, 12 years old sort of age or under. Yeah. And especially, you know, there's so such a broad variety of games, you know, if they're just saying, oh, I don't, I don't like shooting games. Okay. Well, there's like, you know, 50 other genres that you yeah. can pick up on um you know for me my husband's a big gamer so um you know we definitely have this you know culture in our house as well um but for me i am like games like uh, guitar hero or like you know the band games or beat saber i cannot do it i don't <laughs> yeah. have the head eye coordination for it yeah. like as soon as it registers that i need to like press this button it's like 10 seconds later and i'm like oh yeah it's too you know, slow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, can't do it. But, you know, my favorite games, I'm a big Disney fan. So I love Kingdom Hearts. Um, I also love, you know, like snowboarding games. So like there's just such a variety that you can choose from. They don't have to be like, oh, well, I don't like video games because I don't like shooting games. Yeah. So, and, yeah. And I don't have fast enough reflexes, like you were saying. So there's there's one <laughs> game that's maybe worth mentioning some examples, but there's a game called Wilmot's Warehouse that um, I'm not sure if it's in the book or just in the database. And it's it's basically a game where you kind of work in a warehouse and you just are storing away the different items that come in in your warehouse ready to sell them. So it's very, you can take it at your own pace and each little box yeah. has an icon on the top. Um, and so you have to figure what, what those are so that you can put them in your warehouse where you're going to find them. And then some customers come into the top and you have this process of finding them what they want. And if you, you can play it with two players, and if you do that, you have to kind of coordinate between you. Okay, well, is this icon a roller skate or is it a uh, transport? Like, should I put it in the toy section or should I put it in the wheel section? Uh, and is this is this hat a piece of clothing or should that go in winter? And so you end up with this really interesting conversation where what you're actually doing with the other person is interpreting what these icons are, storing them in your warehouse ready so you can get them out quick enough to the customers. And then... The nice bit of that game is every five rounds you get a free you get free time a stock check and you can put everything in the right place, which I really like because you can get it all yeah. absolutely organized. So that the experience of playing that game isn't one that you would imagine really as a video game, but it very much yeah. is a video game. But it offers loads of unusual benefits if you're playing with your with a child or with a partner, just that kind of sense of connection. And while you're playing it, it's almost like being on a car journey together. You have these mm -hmm. conversations which are not pressured and you lots of things will come. I play with my kids. Lots of things come up along the way. And it's not like you're sat down and say, let's talk about how your grades or let's talk about right. that friend that you don't like. Or uh, they're just like, oh, yeah, you know, Jimmy's been a bit annoying again. And like, oh, yeah, what's going on? And because you're looking at the screen, you have this right. lovely space where you can talk. So so finding those little gems that fit for your family takes a bit of time, um, but it's yeah. really worth it. And again, that's what the the database that goes with the book. You can do a, an extensive search and kind of whittle down to find the games that you might like. Yeah, so um, that kind of just leads me into what is your favorite game to play with your family? Would that be it? Or is there um, that is a another good one, one you love? I, did, there's a, I, I do, I, I quite like kind of story games. So, oh, sure. um, and I've usually, well, so the, the pattern of my family is that 
Um, sometimes we play together. There's a PlayStation game called That's You, which is you oh. play on your smartphone. And it's like a kind of quiz game. And so you're all answering questions on your phone, but it's on the PlayStation. So you don't need a controller each, but you can play with six players. But you're kind of guessing what other people are going to answer. So it'll be like, who's the person who's most likely going to pay, take, you know, pay the check at dinner? Or who's the person who's most likely to admit they farted you know at the dinner yeah. table it's funny kind of you know for the <laughs> right. kids as well um, and you all kind of vote and you're not trying to get who what the right answer is what you're trying to guess is who else is going to vote the same way and so it's a real right. kind of social game so there's games like that which we play together but usually I've got one game that I have on the go with the different kids um, and the uncharted games which are adventure games on the playstation we've really yeah. enjoyed microsoft flight simulator on the xbox we loved because you can kind of we kind of we're going to go on a holiday. We'll, we'll get, load up the game before we go, and we will fly a plane out to where we're going. And you can, <laughs> it's so detailed. Awesome. You can, yeah. you know, you can see, you can see things. Um, but just having something on the go with the kids, I really like, and it always kind of makes me laugh because when I'm asked this question, the the, the honest answer about what my favourite game in is is a really violent game called The Last of Us. <laughs> that's <laughs> oh my gosh, that's my husband's favourite game too, okay, actually. It's an awkward thing because, you know, if I, I really, I should like something that's a lot more highbrow and, you know, not violent. But it, it's one of these things that actually, like like many kind of Netflix series, that they, they appear to be this kind of brash, violent thing that actually isn't about anything. But as you watch it, you realise, oh, that kind of violence is just a front for something else that is happening. And in this game, it's a kind of a very slow kind of study about this unfolding relationship between a, a well, so they're not actually father and daughter, but that's the kind of setup right. between an old man and this girl that he has to look after that's the age of his daughter. Yeah. And you just have like 18 hours for this relationship to slowly unroll, un, un, you know, unfurl and for them to slowly give in to the fact that they need each other and to soften to each other. And very different to a film, that happens while you're walking around and like you half hear her yeah. say something. So you stop and like, oh, what was that? And then she says something else. And yeah you know you can explore you can explore at your own pace and, and that but there is in between that there is a lot of shooting and kind of this is zombie yeah. kind of apocalyptic world it's very it's very beautifully realized but um but so that's an example of a a game that you know i really value as a piece of media um and that's why it's kind of stuck with me um and i, I played it with my daughter actually she's got into it as well when once yeah. she was old enough but that, that was one of those back to front conversations where i was like i think maybe you're old enough to play the last of us and she was right oh, I'm not sure, Dad, I'm not sure I'm ready. Like, well, I'll, let's play a bit and, you know, I'll be here. If it's too much, we'll just stop. Right. And then she got into it and found, you know, found out, you know, made, had a real connection with the characters there and has created lots yeah. of art about it. And it kind of, um, she's very creative in that way. So it was nice to see her take it on in her own way. So right. anyway, so that, I think- The side note of that is um, my, my sister um, went to prom in high school with the um, creator of Naughty Dog. Mm. So, um, wow. my husband was in California for some reason and he got to tour the Naughty Dog studios. Um, you know, because, I, <laughs> I know because we've got that relationship with Evan. So he got to like see a bunch of stuff that they were working on yeah. and everything. And like, and that was like best day ever for him for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think you know, these, these kind of games, as they become, they become properly important like like the Lord of the Rings or like, you know, like these stories that we kind of keep with us uh, and they become kind of part of the fabric of your in-jokes as a family or the stories you want to return to at Christmas. Um, and I think, if, you know, letting them do that and embracing that means that the whole kind of thing about games just becomes this thing that's just a very natural part of life. 
and then a lot of the kind of the worries go away and it's more about oh what else could we play that would be really good and like well, what do you play after that and and you know and, and maybe that inspires you to watch we watch the road the film that's in a similar kind of style to that to that game so it kind of i guess has this back and forth with different media so but you know i i would i would still say like to respect the age ratings and to and again on on the site and in the book we're very clear to say here's the esrb rating for the last of us and when you read the examiner's report it makes you flinch. It describes in detail why it's rated um, M for mature, 17 plus in the US. Um, right. Because it is, it's a, it's a violent game. So I think taking that seriously is important, um, particularly if your child isn't going to play it when you're around. You know, if you're playing it in the same place, they can process it and you can sort of, you can gauge if they're uncomfortable with what's happening. But if they're playing it on their own and you don't even know it, right. they, not, they might not then say, oh, I, I saw this guy get shot in a game and I, it made me feel really unsafe and they might not tell you that if you're not kind right. of with them so the context yeah. i think is important too yeah super important and um, that actually segues really nicely into um this question so at what age can kids start to game apart from those little android games <laughs> or better ask until what age should we try to avoid gaming and probably video watching to kids That's yeah well i was just on so i mean i think you know it's like books and um films really um like so it's different it'll be different for every parent but if you find the appropriate games you can they can start very young and they can have a really nice experience and so on on the site we do we do offer guidance for games i think i was just looking it up i think we go down to is it three two <laughs> yeah and so th these are kind of games where you do you move things around to do some cooking or right. you, like something like you play with a grown up like just dance, so you're holding something, you're mimicking the adult playing it, or you're matching things, or you're just right. they're very, they're very toy like. But the games we select on the website and in the book, they are proper games. We don't pick games that are kind of you know they're, they're just like you know educational kind of pseudo games. These are kind of right. so that which means that an older child will play it as well, and that's that's quite a nice thing that children kind of keep these things with them and become a little bit sentimental about in the same way that they remember the kids programs they used to watch when they were young. Right. You have a similar thing with games that, um, you know, that, that you, that these, some of these experiences there, but I think there is no rush and I think it's fine to be slow about it. One of the things I say in the book that I'm not concerned with, with kind of persuading anyone to be an early adopter or to change their parenting style. I just want them to be able to make an informed choice. And so I'm really happy if someone says I'm really cautious um so i'm not gonna my kids aren't gonna play until they're six or seven or older um as long as they kind of can can understand oh this is what their peers will be doing and here's the experiences so when they're ready you can be there and can sort of be with them in it so yeah. yeah so i think they can start very young but you do need to find the right games and the games you can play together one one nice tip is that there's some games that let the child be the kind of assistant we've got a list mm -hmm. of games on the database that are kind of this expert novice pairing so one player is the main player and they're kind of moving things along and then the the second player is maybe pointing something at the screen and collecting stars or is the floating character that's just helping out and there's quite okay. a few like that and that works both ways um and actually as the kids get older it kind of flips so then the parent when they you know seven eight nine the kid is driving and then the parent is the one that's right. just helping to be along for the ride so it's quite funny how it, how it kind of flips yeah, one of uh, my favorite games to play with my kids. Well, I'll back up. One of my favorite games to play with my family is the Jackbox games. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's very much those... like the um, That's You game I was mentioning. Right. That, that, you know, Jackbox is more varied, but that's a kind of similar camp. 
Yeah, we've played that too, for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the uh, Jackpot games are so much fun. And I mean, even when we're in like a family reunion, we'll load up like one of the Jackpot games. Like we, my whole family was there, like cousins and, you know, not my cousins, but my kids' cousins, you know, and my siblings. And we were all playing like TKO on Jackbox and everybody's just laughing and having right. a great time. Um, so Jackbox is definitely my favorite. But my favorite game to play with just, just my son, um, he has an Oculus, and um, they I like to play Akron. Um, so you're basically yeah, like a squirrel and like trying to like, basically I'm battling him. I'm trying yeah. to like get my nuts to this like tree and he's like trying to, you know, prevent yeah. me from doing so. And I think that, I can remember that keen on VR games because they're quite isolating for a single player, but games like that where you have a, you can have a group of other players kind of right. trying to get the acorns in and then the person with the goggles is then defending. And so it, it is much more of that kind of cooperative game. And so, you know, it's thinking about how many people have you got in your family? What technology have you already got? That's what I sort mm -hmm. of say is you don't need to buy new tech to play games to begin with. And even when you do get started, buying last the last gen previous generation of hardware is absolutely fine. Those games are still great games. The industry likes to kind of drive us to the next to the next new thing, and that's kind of something that gamers will do: is like, what's new? What's new? They'll play a game, move on, play a game, move on. Yeah. But last year's FIFA or last year's Madden is great. It's just got the old names in it, you know, and it doesn't change that much year on year. So. Yeah, like the gameplay is pretty similar. <laughs> They've just changed up like who the players are because that's the players for this yeah. year. So. And, and they'll say, you know, they'll be, they'll say, oh, it's completely different. There's a new mechanic yeah. about this and this. And you play it for five minutes. You're like, yeah, it's kind of the same, isn't it? Like, let's be honest. Is it so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so you kind of touched on this actually. And so I want to bring this up now. Um, so which gaming system is right for different groups, you know? So I, you know, we have several different ones. You obviously have several different ones as well. But if somebody's saying, hey, I want to buy a gaming system for my family, you know, where should we start or, you know, what kind is right for us? Yeah. So it, it, it kind of comes more down to what games you want to play rather than you know, classically we saw Nintendo were good for families and maybe PlayStation and Xbox were seen as older older machines but actually it depends what you want to play so if you want to play roblox which is a popular game for younger kids um then that's only on the xbox if you want right. to play games with mario in it then really you need a nintendo and if you want to yeah. you know then there's other games on playstation if you want to play ratchet and clank game for instance then that would be on nintendo so the thing to do is to ask your kids like what are the games you wouldn't want to miss out on if it was animal crossing then there's no that, that answers the question. If, if right. that's the game they've got to play, then yeah. the only place you can play it is on the Switch. If it's like yeah. FIFA, then you can kind of play it everywhere, but the Switch version won't be quite as good. It'll be like a legacy version. So yeah. it's probably PlayStation or Xbox. So it's more that than kind of, um, you know, one system's good for a particular sort of player. But, and again, you know, going for the previous generation is a really good way to go because you save a lot of money and you can buy secondhand games and, you know they're really good and like even the say a playstation 3 if you if a relative's got that it's a great way to start and again on the database there's lots of recommendations for, for games on those older systems that are just these real gems that often uh, are kind of often unheard of so you can pick them up on amazon secondhand really cheap because no one else has kind of quite cottoned on to the fact that these are great for families yeah and, you know and that's a really good point about the older generation systems too and sometimes there's games that like the newer generation just has a bit too much. Like, so for me, I really like SSX, the snowboarding yeah. game, 
but I like SSX Tricky and SSX Three. Like, and it got to like SSX Five. I'm like, okay, this is now too complicated for me. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, like, going back to those previous generations might be even a little easier for somebody to grasp that's not, um, you know, already entrenched in gaming. Yeah. And then the other thing is just to think like what have their friends got? Because often if they're playing, it's it's not always so so true now. You get cross-platform games, but to be sure that they can team up with their friends on Xbox or PlayStation, if they've got the same console, it'd be much easier. Many newer games you can play across different platforms, but still making a party and getting started is easier on to be on the same platform. So that's worth a consideration as well. But often there's a kind of a mixed, it's like you know, kids just end up with different, you know, in a say in a class, they won't all be on the same system. Um yeah, and also to think about, you know, what you want to play. So if there's a particular family game that you want um, or, or you think will be good for a family or do a bit of research and think, well, you know, maybe there's some games I'll play when the kids are in bed. And if, if for instance, you like what we were saying about The Last of Us and we didn't put you off of it, then that's a PlayStation game. So that would sway you in that direction. But again, if you like the sound of, of Flight Simulator, that's right. an Xbox game. So it's just it's a little bit of research. And again, the, the day face is designed for parents who haven't played games to be kind of this safe space. There's no advertising. There's no kind of affiliate links so that we can provide kind of that independent guidance um, quite quickly. So I think probably half an hour on there um, and you'd have a pretty good idea of which way you want to go. Yeah, for sure. Um, as a, that kind of segues into this next question. Um, where can we find ideas for games depending on age? For example, I have a six and a half year old girl. Find it hard to know which games are best and which will spark a better interest for her. Yeah, so there's two ways you can go for age. You can sort of you can search by the official age rating, which is a good starting point. So uh, in the US, that would be um, so if you're what's six and six and a half. Is it just one child, six and a half? Yeah. 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 So so if you wanted to stick to the age ratings, you I got E for everyone, which is kind of no age. And then the first one up is 10. And so you, at that age, you probably, you'd probably go under that. Um, but maybe you'd look at some of the 10s and sort of think, well, why is it? If it's, it depends what your sensitivities are as a family. Like a game might have a swear word in it, um, in a joke or something, and that would then push it to a 10. Um, but equally, it, the, the, the rating will say, you know, if it's got some violence, whatever. Um, but also on the database, you could just pick an age, which is something I was just going to do then for a six year old to see what we came up with. Um, yeah. So you just go to the search, you can say age of child six, uh, and then you maybe put a, a platform in. I don't think they said, but say you had a switch. Um, and then there are a lot, there are a lot of games um, that at that age, you're probably playing with them. Uh, and then there's a bits where they would play together. But they're probably playing their own. Um, so there's two games that I always call out. One is Go Vacation, which is on the old Wii, the the not the Wii U, but the the first one. Although actually, it sure. would work on the Wii U because that's backward compatible. But okay. it was also re-released on the Switch, and it's a kind of it's like an open world exploration game where you're exploring a resort. And there are lots of these kind of like mini games, sports games in it. And lots of people think, oh, it's just a collection of mini games. And it is that, but it's also this very open world that has people to meet and little missions to go on. It has like public transport and different different ways to get around. So kids just love exploring. And you can play four players at one time in a split screen on one system. So if you've got a bunch of kids playing it, they'll come up with their own games. It's like the playground. They'll be like, okay, let's race down the mountain. I'll go on a horse. You can use a canoe and right. dad can take the train and that kind of stuff. So that's, yeah. that's really nice. And then another one, which is on a wider group. So this is PlayStation 4 and Xbox as well as Switch, um, is, is a game called Chariot, where you have these two characters and you're transporting 
this little chariot through some dungeons, but you can only do it by pulling it with a rope. And so you have to work together. One of you have to have to pull it and the other one has to anchor it somewhere else so you can swing over. And um, it, it's the sort of thing that on the early levels, particularly, it's not too difficult, uh, but it does require some collaboration and communication. So it's like, OK, we're going to have to time it like one, two, three, go. And then you both jump and pull it with you. So, again, it's that kind of stuff which I'd usually recommend for kids. Um, yeah. But at six, they, they probably have got their own sort of tastes as well. There's a snowboarding game called Auto's Adventure, Auto's Odyssey and Auto's Adventure, which which is very simple, just one button tap, um, and you're just going down a mountain, and it's got a lovely kind of aesthetic to it and really nice like characters that you slowly unlock. So um, there's, you know, these sort of suggestions you could go on forever, but I think those three yeah. would, would be a good place to start. Yeah. Um, and then like he was mentioning, I think too, so the ESRB website too, you can look it up, look up the age um, recommendation. Yeah. For any and then you, you get a little report as well. So you get the age, you get the kind of the descriptor. So it will say, why is this age? And it might be violence. It might be fear. It might be language. It might be drug use. Um, but then you'll also often get a little sentence and paragraph of like, here's what the examiner noticed in the game. And it will just say, at one point, somebody lights up a cigarette and smokes it and appears to enjoy it. And so that's why it's got the <laughs> drugs thing. And obviously, right. the older rated games, it would describe the violence that ha is happening. So right. it's not the sort of thing on those older games, you wouldn't browse it with your child. You don't want to read it on your own. Right. But it, it gives you a really good insight into what it is without um, playing it. And if you pair that with watching some videos, again, at an older age, you get a really good quick understanding of what the game's like yeah um thanks um so we talked a lot about consoles uh what about pc gaming how is that mm -hmm. kind of different from console gaming and yep. um what are your thoughts yes yeah, so <laughs> i think pc games are interesting moments like so the first thing to say is the pc is a great way to play games it can be very cost effective it's really nice because you get a lot of indie games coming out first on pc so these are game indie means created by a small independent studio so these are often kind of more unusual, more imaginative and creative in some ways because they've just been created with, you know, just someone's kind of imagination, um, as well as kind of the bigger games as, uh, that come out if you've got a powerful enough computer. So it's a really good option, particularly if you've got a PC already. You would need to check what the specs are of your machine. But the thing I think is important to say here is that because children watch streamers play games and they've usually got an impressive box beside them that's full of lights and colours and looks very impressive, and, and seems to be the, the gateway into getting these games. And there's this culture of, oh, you make it yourself. You buy the box, you buy the motherboard, you buy the sound card and the graphics card, which is kind of, and, and there's some people say, oh, it's a great project. You can do it with your kids and they'll learn loads of stuff. But the problem is it, it is really quite difficult. And because you're buying components from different places, there's no one right. shop to go to to say, can you put this together? So if you've got someone in the family who's done it before, that's fine. Right. But if you're maybe a single parent or you haven't got much experience in that area, you can end up spending quite a lot of money and ending up with something which doesn't quite work like you thought it would. And I often, I wrote something about this saying, actually, if that child just bought an Xbox, it would be half the price and there would be no stress. Right. <laughs> but, the, but they've told their parents, no, the only way to do my thing is to buy a PC. And so the question is, well, what do you want to play? If it's like, oh, Minecraft and Fortnite. Well, it's like, well, you could do that on an Xbox. It will actually look better and it will be literally half the price. Yeah. Um, and then they will probably say, but I can do my homework on it as well. Well, it's like, well, get an Xbox and have a Chromebook for your homework because then you've right. got separation between your workspace and your play space. So, so 
Um, although I'm not, you know, my, my son's got a PC and for some games it is better, um, but you need to come in with your eyes open. It's not an easy answer. Um, but if you've got some knowledge and some perseverance. So when we bought a PC, he saved up for six months, up, up, got a thousand pounds, did loads of like lawn mowing neighbors things because it was his thing he wanted. We ordered it. We got it. He was very careful, put it together, pressed the button. Didn't work. Nothing didn't even come on. And then you're onto forums being like, what's happening? Like this doesn't start. That doesn't start. And literally some of the some of the advice will be like, well, get a paper clip, fold it in two and put it into the power, the power connector. So you can short out the power. And if the disc spins, you know that it's on. And you're just like, I'm off into like this crazy inventor land. I, this wasn't yeah. what I intended. So then we were like, we'll practice the motherboard. We ordered another motherboard, sent that one back. We were still kind of we're out an extra 200 pounds until we got the refund. Did it all yeah. again, didn't work. And then eventually tried the CPU, did the same thing. And then that, and it did work. But that took an extra, he had, he had to have that patience of an extra month's waiting. And we had a temporary extra outlay of probably an extra 400 pounds, which eventually we then got back because of the, because of the return process. So that, that, and that was my experience. And then actually when we came to put windows on it, I was like, oh, how do we do this? And there was some, you can't, you can't create a windows boot disk unless you've got a windows PC already <laughs> because of the size of the file. And I was like, totally. this is impossible. We had to go to a friend's house and use their computer. And I'm like, this is not the easy experience that people have said, you know. And so anyway, so I'm, I've got a computer science degree. I'm a tech journalist. And that was my, <laughs> that, so, so just, that's my, that's my cautionary tale. Go in with your eyes open. He's now happy with it. And it's, you know, he gets a lot of value from it. But yeah. still, I, th- I, I just feel for the parents who are like, oh, I thought I was helping my son. I'm a single mum. We spent the money and it just doesn't work. And I've got no one yeah. to no one to go to to sort it out. So um, that's my busy yeah. story. <laughs> no, and I totally agree with that. I mean, you know, I've, I've been in IT for 20 years, so I've got that. So when my son, he is asking for components to put together a computer for, yeah. for Christmas this year. And I'm okay with that because I know how to put a computer together. But I'm like, I can't even imagine for parents who aren't familiar with that world or anything, who've never put a computer together, you know, best scenario would probably be to just purchase a PC that has the specs that you want. Yeah. And, yeah. and when you do that, that will be probably twice the price in terms of delivery, like horsepower for like, because the consoles are sold yeah. at a loss, particularly at the beginning, which is why they're right. such a cost effective way to get into it. Yeah. And that's why you'll also rarely see a sale on um consoles yeah. they're almost always the exact same price like yeah. year round well, until the very kind of end of their life they usually it's usually well they used to say 10 year cycle it's, not, it's becoming short but usually the last year or two they'll yeah. bring out a, a, a smaller form factor that is then a little bit reduced but even then it's not a lot cheaper but but they hold their value really well and actually after you know that afterwards they can actually end up going up because of rarity um, well, and that actually brings up an important point too. When you are purchasing a console, there are usually two different versions. One is a digital version that is going to be cheaper, and one has the CD, like you know, disc reader. So if you're going to buy the digital version, make sure you understand that you don't buy the discs; you only buy download games. Um, so yeah, which means that that the kind of main downside there is it cuts you off from the secondhand game market. Right. So if you buy a digital code, um, it's kind of, again, you don't get so deep discounts because it's, it's controlled digitally, but you can't lend that to anyone and you can't you can't then sell it. You do get, you can refund them. There's quite a relatively generous refund policy. So if you if you play it, you don't like it, you can then set to get relinquish the code 
it's the time period is different for different different consoles but um but once after that's gone you've you spent the money and so yeah but it's hard to know yeah i think there's a I think that that kind of argument is diminishing because everything is becoming just digital um, and it's hard. And those kind of secondhand discs actually aren't that cheap anymore. The good games actually, because right. they're quite old now, they go up in price. Right. Um, Cause they're rarer. Or, yeah. yeah. So often a digital experience. And also it means you can't break or lose the disc if it's digital right. and it's there on your, on your, um, on your account, as long as you trust that like, so eventually those console manufacturers will turn off, stores for older platforms so like playstation 3 will soon be turned off so if you bought games on the playstation 3 you just couldn't get them anymore and you would have to rebuy them on the playstation 4 but it's now that's probably like 15 years ago or something now but still if you had the disc obviously you would still have that forever so that that is a consideration yeah so definitely something to think about as you're purchasing these things um so quick question for you what is your favorite gaming system um i do it's funny because i like the switch but i probably spend more time on the consoles and again it comes down to the games i really like flight sim so we have an xbox to play that on um i like the switch because of the portability so i've just been on on holiday and so on the plane i had the switch with me and could play some games and it's very it's very easy to play um but those big kind of cinematic games I do kind of gravitate towards the PlayStation because of the, some of those, some of the ones I happen to be playing at the moment are exclusives like Horizon, um, Forbidden West and uh, The Last of Us, those games that I'll play kind of, well, I used to say once the kids are in bed, but actually yeah, that, I go to bed before them now. Same, same. I consider as my games that I, I'll play. Um, yeah, Great. so, yeah. I'm, I also, I'm kind of, I actually, I, one thing that's worth saying, I'm quite attached to the old 3DS um, oh, it's fun. a great system, particularly yeah. the late, the ones that were updated in the later in the run, and you can get them quite yeah. affordably. Um, the downside is they're about to, it got about a year left of the eShop, and then you won't be able to buy any games on it. Oh, it, it, that's interesting to know. Both of my kids have them. But... Yeah, so yeah, they've got a year to but to if they've bought any games on the eShop, they need to download them before it gets turned off if they haven't got them downloaded. Um, yeah, but you can still buy the cartridges. But but it's oh, a really sure. kind of it's in a nice period where people haven't started kind of collecting it. Um, and so it, it's quite affordable. I picked up a whole bunch of the 2DS, so the, the ones that don't have a hinge, for right. about forty pounds in the UK, um, which is a, a bargain because the gate, like Animal Crossing and the games you can get on them, are really good. Particularly, a great there's a great starter system. So I think the 3DS is kind of a bit of an unsung hero as he could have moved on to the Switch. Um, right. Yeah, and I'd say I, <laughs> I'm naming everything, but also the the Wii U is really good as well. Like a lot of people kind of saw it as a failure, but there's many games on the Wii U that you can't play anywhere else that use those. Right, because two you've screens. got that tablet thing. Yeah. yeah, and unlike the Switch, where if you unplug it, it's just on the tablet and not on the TV. The Wii U will right. use that. Will have say five players. One of them's on the tablet and is using their screen to go and hide. And the other right. four players are on the TV running around trying to find the person. And so right. that kind of gameplay, particularly for younger kids, is really unique. Um, yeah. And again, you can get, at the moment, you can get a Wii U quite cheap. And, and you can also play games like Breath of the Wild at a much less lesser price than the, going to the Switch route. So, Yeah, yeah, that's good information. Um, I'm going to touch on another <laughs> couple of questions we've got from Megan. Um, this one... Think, should we count 
as time gaming or watching videos, if they only have it on for the sound music noise and are not really paying attention to it or and are playing with something else. I was like, and actually, I understand what she's saying because my kids do this. Um, <laughs> so my daughter really loves Splatoon and like just loves the music from yeah. Splatoon. Uh -huh. And so she'll just have the music from <laughs> it playing. Um, so I wouldn't count that as gaming or watching time for sure. Cause it's, yeah. you know, it's basically like listening to music. She just prefers video game music to, <laughs> to any other kind of music. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, it's like that kind of varied diet, isn't it? These are different things. These are kind of different food types. Like, so uh, an intense playing a game is one thing. Having a game on just for the music is a very different thing. Watching someone play a game again is very different. It's often about the person playing rather than about the game. Um, I think, and then one thing you can end up they could be watching TV and have a game open or vice versa, which is fine. I think one thing I do say is that I want, and it's kind of I guess a bit anti-logical, um, but I kind of I want them to have some time where they're focusing on something and not just to always be kind of cruising from one thing to the next. So actually, sometimes I'll say, why don't you stop watching the TV and just have an hour where you just play your game and just focus on it um, and actually kind of enjoy that kind of getting lost in it and progressing? Because you can end up just never actually settling on one thing. Um, but I think it's just part of this kind of a, the parenting where we're just trying to help them curate a, a really varied diet. And the things with the things um, the, the person's mentioned here really that's a really nice it's a really nice way to use technology and kids do that they'll, they'll use it in ways it maybe wasn't intended right. uh, and put it to use and you know do, do things their own way which is kind of what's lovely about it yeah um then she had just nice comment um that this interview is awesome thank you gaming was the biggest <laughs> part of me growing up especially teenage years wanted to share that with my kids going forward but i don't want to impair their development as a lot of research say it's not good for them so that's this is why you come to us because yeah. yeah there's not there really isn't a lot of research that says it's not good for them it's and it's the question is well if it's not good for them if it is it can it be good for them the other way around and right. that's kind of it's this kind of there's not enough data there are some correlations um but the kind of the the kind of the picture that i see emerging is that actually kids are much more resilient and know their own mind much more than being persuaded or kind of impaired by this technology. There are a very small percentage who have got something, you know, something sad happening in their life and challenging, and they'll use games to medicate. Um, and that's a whole, you know, that's a whole other thing that actually you want to pay attention to that. You don't want to lock it down because that's a sign of something else you want to talk to them about. Um, but that's a very small percentage. So I think we really don't need to worry about kind of break our kids breaking because we let them do something they're actually pretty robust. Um, and then if, if, the, if it is going off the rails, paying attention to the reasons and actually that, that, that gives you an insight into, you know, well, why is it happening and what else is going on? Is there something at school or friends or, and that, and that, you know, you can get some real sort of gold dust information because you've noticed, Oh, you're playing a game. That's obviously the solution. Well, what's the problem that's making you play this all day? It's that kind of yeah. thinking. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, so my last question is, do you think, gaming is the social media of the future like do you think it's gonna mesh together eventually i think for children they wouldn't see a difference i think it is kind of the same so and the research in the uk like a child's first interaction with someone they don't know will be in a video game it won't be on social media yeah. um which is interesting 
But I think the danger is that we kind of, in terms of our regulation and how we parent these things, we kind of lump them together and they're quite different. Um, you know, social media is is an interactive thing and there's lots of identity stuff wrapped up on, on it and there's lots of, you know, news and facts and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it is this kind of inert, you know, it's this, it's, it's not like a media in its own right. It's just displaying other media. Whereas games is this new way of making sense of the world and telling stories and, and needs a different kind of a different pair of hands to sort of look after it so that it's safe. And I think so, although they're, they're kind of, they're, so, they're both social in the same way, but actually they're, they're quite different things. And so that's why in the UK, we've got some regulation coming about this kind of space. And the danger I think is that games get swept up in some of the regulation that just doesn't fit them. And then we kind of end up impairing this thing, which could be really helpful for kids. And it's actually, you know, in some cases it's just what they need. So, um, but that's a really good question. I, I think it, it, time will tell. I think as we get more data, we'll we'll kind of see see a picture emerge. But we're not there yet. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Um, so, is there anything else you wanted to touch on, talk about in this conversation? I, we've talked yeah, about I a lot of things. Yeah, I think that's good. Sometimes we talk a bit more about uh, sort of games and addiction, and again, it's mm -hmm. a similar kind of thing around sort of games and violence. That there is, people will say there's a study that gets misreported that people say well three to four percent of video game players are addicted and because there's like billions of players I mean that that's suddenly like nine hundred thousand whatever players are addicted to games yeah. because and often those are from from organizations set up to care for those people and so it's kind of a way for them to kind of expand their market really and sort of get funding um, but the reality that we see in, in other reports is actually that number's much smaller and I think that, and it kind of, when you just talk about adults, it's like, okay, well, let's get these numbers right. It's not a big deal either way in some ways. But when you're talking about children, if you're sort of saying, or oh, three to four percent of kids who play games are addicted, that's quite an, an unhelpful labeling in, in a number of ways. Firstly, you're labeling a behavior in a way that closes it down. And if, like we were saying just now, actually there's something, in, there's a problem in that child's life. And this is the signal, this is the solution that they come up with. And we need to pay attention to find out, you know, what is the problem? closing it down gets rid of that kind of resource for parents um but also then we're kind of we're labeling you know we're labeling them as being addicted and, and if you read the who criteria for what video game addiction is it's really high it's that you're playing games to an excessive amount that's having a detrimental effect on your life so you're probably not getting to school or fat or meal times and probably not looking after your personal hygiene but even then that doesn't count it you then have to notice that's, ha that's happening and then be unable to change and continue to pursue games. And once that's continued to be pursued for up to 12 months, that's when it starts hitting this clinical criteria of game addiction. And so to say three to 4% people are addicted to games, we don't mean it in that clinical sense. We just mean three to 4% of people play too many games, but that's very, <laughs> that's not addiction. And so yeah. I think that's really important for parents to hear because they can end up using that kind of those stats to essentially win the argument about games like maybe they, they feel like they prefer the kids to read books and so they can win the argument by this kind of erroneous data and all they end up doing is just causing a separation between them and their kids so it's, yeah. it's similar to the other stuff we said but I think that's kind of helpful just to bring in at the end there just to kind of kind of just make sense of some of those headlines around this, these kind of crazy numbers about how many are addicted to video games right so if you like you know you're a parent you're like oh my gosh my kid is addicted to video games but they don't even come close to the criteria that you're yeah. you're saying is I can totally see that you know like 
<laughs> and the thing that comes to mind, I'm not sure if you um, watch South Park at all, but um, there's a South Park episode where Cartman is like on World of Warcraft and like that I can see like that is video game addiction right there where he's yeah. like not even like getting up to go to the bathroom. Yeah. Like that's kind of the extreme on that. Yeah. And that's that you get that as a headline, you know, child, right. you know, child soils themselves because they can't stop playing the game. Right. And then along with that, three to four percent of game players are addicted. Yeah. And it's just this kind of it's just, just it's just muddies the waters and it doesn't it doesn't help parents. But I think I you know I really feel for children in that scenario where they're kind of it, it's it's kind of you know there's an infringement happening because they're being labelled in a way that's really unhelpful and it's often that most vulnerable child who has a, an issue and games are the solution and so they, they need an adult to come alongside them and say wow this is a really imaginative way that you're coping with whatever's happening yeah. but maybe we need to look at how what's happening here like what is it and like how can I come alongside you and help you with this maybe we should play some different games together or you know let's talk about what else is going on in your life rather than like look what that game's doing to you you know it's making you angry you're gonna have to you're not gonna have it next week and then of course the child is distraught because that was how they were coping right with um with the kind of you know with the scenario i had this little story but i'll kind of i can shorten it's like you know at the end oh, of the day you're fine. i okay. mean there's no time limit on this yeah, like so, i just you know whenever yeah, so it's done I'll it's done say, um you know at the end of the day with adults usually come home and there's something that is like oh i've been looking forward all day to this it might be a glass of red wine it could be you know a nice meal or whatever and if if you're halfway through consuming whatever that is and someone comes in and takes it away like as a, like a parent coming in and turning off a, a game machine, yeah, you would rightly be. What are you doing? I, I've wait. I, this is what that's that red that glass of red wine is what got me through this really difficult day. You don't know what my day's been like. It's been the day from hell, and I need that. And then the other person can then point at that red wine and say, "Oh, look what look at look at what that red wine's doing to you. Look at look at how it's making you behave." I think yeah. we need to limit how much wine. I'm going to take this away now, like because you, you obviously it's obviously bad for you. And so you get this complete muddle of what's happening and what you what you really would want is to someone to sort of say, oh, what was your day like? What, what, how was it so hard? And let's sit down and talk about it, you know. And so and it's so easy with those kind of headlines and that kind of perspective for you know a parent to end up quite understandably for, out of concern, falling into that kind of parenting policing behavior um, and, and essentially missing out on this really great opportunity to kind of list to hear what's what's happening in their child's life um which could be a crucial moment you know not again it'll be a small percentage but it could be really important that we here as parents you know oh there's something happening here um let's really pay attention to this so um yeah so i think that's quite important to include yeah to conflate that reaction to like an addiction is you know kind of overkill because like you're saying you can have that reaction without actually being addicted to the game you know be like oh my gosh i was looking forward to playing this all day long and you're coming in and just like taking it away um yeah, yeah. and maybe they, they had an argument in the playground with a child and so that and they've they're now playing the game and maybe they're kind of repairing that relationship by playing the game with that child and then you and so there's just all sorts of stuff and uh, yeah so um, and the other the other the other little story around here is if uh, is about stopping because again that can be attention getting a child to stop, but again right. understanding that when they don't stop they might be doing some quite nice etiquette work like just the fact that they're not leaving if they did leave there may well be a penalty for their team and also right. they may just be wanting to say goodbye and round off with their friends it's like so if I'm on the phone speaking to somebody and if my if it, if my wife's cooked if she's like oh it's dinner time 
She yeah. doesn't expect me to drop the phone and come to the table. She knows that I'll round the conversation up, say goodbye, like, oh, let, let's talk again another time, put the phone down. Right. But for yeah. kids, we can kind of expect them to, to just drop, you know, dinner's more important than the game. Stop the game now. Right. Come, you know. Uh, right. And obviously, you, you, there are some comments, like, they need to stop reasonably. They can't just keep playing and keep playing. And they need to, um, something with my kids I'll do is to say, before you start another round, check yes. in. How long's dinner? Yep. Oh, it's half an hour. Okay. How long are you going to take? Well, 20 minutes. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. And then if it does go longer, but we're in a very different situation because we've talked about it. So yeah, but that kind of misunderstanding that if they don't stop immediately, they're being rude can often be that actually, they're actually trying to be really polite and they've just got (laughs) like whacked for it. They've just got, you know, they've got some negativity for it, particularly if the parents come in and turn the console off. But it's yeah. like that taking the red wine moment. Right. <laughs> and then quite like, what are you doing? You know, so those videos on, you know, YouTube of kids going irate because the parent, you know, turned the machine off. I can actually, I can understand it. You could do the same thing of a, a child coming and taking the glass of whatever away. <laughs> right. Nope. Sorry. It's... Yeah, exactly. Mom, you're not allowed that. You're addicted to that wine. You know, <laughs> it doesn't have to be. You can tell that I'm a red wine drinker. But oh, yeah. No, it's totally fine. Yeah. Um, that, that reminds me, too, of like my daughter the other day, like the Internet gets cut off for my kids at 10 o'clock every night. And um, she had, you know, forgotten that 10 o'clock yeah. was approaching and she was in the middle of a game with other players and. She comes in, she's like, ah, I got kicked out and like, just, you know, distraught because I'm like, well, you know, when it's going to cut off. So that's on you. But, (laughs) but I can see that, like, you know, if I just like shut down her internet, like at any given time of the day and, um, and it gets kicked out of her level, you know, yeah, her player could get penalized for that. She lets down her team, you know, that's. That's exactly yeah. right. Like they're exactly. trying to be polite by, you know, gaming respectfully. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think just having that open conversation and sort of that the two way thing. And, and a lot of this stems from if you play games yourself, your kids know that you do that. It's like they know if you eat or don't eat vegetables. They're never going to eat vegetables if you don't eat vegetables. Right. Um, and if, <laughs> so if you play games, and they know you do. They already know you're in. You're not just trying to win the, win the argument. This is like yeah. you're you're in the same team sort of thing. So that's the thing which i think makes all this so much easier um so but it's not whenever i say that i you know starting on that journey is difficult but once you get started with the right resources um it quickly turns around yeah yeah absolutely well um anything else you want to add before we that's it so there's a few links i could provide from the stuff we've talked about like the age we can pop those in in the comments at some point and um that, yeah, that I can even do that now as we're rounding off. Like if I put them in the comments here. Oh, I can't yeah, and then I will I'll here. go ahead and add those to the description of yeah. the um, Okay, yeah, if I send those anyway. uh, like so the the games by age and there's a search page so you can go in and put in what you want to look for. Um yeah. yeah and there's, there's also there's the, the first chapter of the book is free on the site as well, so you can go and have a read. Oh wonderful see see if you if you want it and um i mean and i highly recommend well, the, and this is already in the description but a link to purchase the book is already in the description right. because like i said it's an amazing amazing book if you have any questions about gaming it's going to be found in here so good yeah yeah it you did a great a job on it <laughs> thanks <laughs> it's like it's basically three years and then and then we got to the, the we got just about to launch it and then the pandemic hit and it's like oh, oh it's, yeah. 
printing's delayed. And actually, that's why I created the, the database, because yeah. it was delayed. And it, then it's turned into this bigger, actually, kind of a bigger thing that's become my main thing I do now is just maintain that and got a couple of thousand games on it. And we added, we've got board games, lots of board game suggestions. And like, if your child loves some video games, here's some board games that they'll like as well, that you can find the sort of back and forth between the two. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I have a whole closet full of board games as well. So. Yeah, yeah, that's usually the way. But yeah, then it's, it's just it's figuring out if you haven't got that closet of board games, where do you start? If you know someone who plays yeah. board games, they can introduce you and take you into it. But so the site's designed, if you don't have someone in your kind of network to do that, it yeah. can get you started. And again, you can search by age and how long they take to learn and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. So then, I mean, we're talking about gaming. So give me your top like couple of favorite uh, board games to play with your family. Yeah, I really like King Domino, which is a, way, a game where you lay, t lay domino tiles and you're trying to make connections with land. And by doing that, you score points. So it's quite a simple kind of territory world building kind of game. But I also like this other game that's really simple, but really clever. It's called The Mind. Is that one you come across? No. So it, it's almost, it's weird because you describe it and it's, it almost sounds like it's not a game. So it's just a, a deck of cards that's numbered one to a hundred. And you start in a group and you deal each person the card and you say, look at your card. You can't communicate at all with each other about what numbers you've got in any way, but you have to put them down in order with the, with the one that's lowest first and then going up. And so in that first round, everyone's like, well, this is ridiculous. Like, this is impossible. This isn't a game. Like, what's going on? <laughs> and but almost something, not always the first round, but quite quickly, they realize if they've got like one to ten, they need to lay it quite quickly before <coughs> before someone else does. And then they you start as a group to realise, oh, what this is, is about timing. And so I have to try and judge how someone would wait. If they had the card 36, would they wait longer than me? And right. you do a repeated rounds. In the second round, you get two cards each. In the third round, you get three cards each. And so the idea is to try and get as far as you can as a group. But it means that you kind of, you end up sitting in silence trying to judge like how long you should wait and if you don't wait long enough everyone's like oh how come you did it so quick right. uh, and all that kind of stuff and if you if you get it right as a group you can get extra lives and, and some special cards that help you as well um but it's kind of it's it's really it's really nice and it, but it's nice in the family because it's actually quite a quiet game and you can just, oh, you just okay. sit there and you and and if you get good at it it's surprising like if you you, get, you deal a group of say five people five cards each and they manage to get them in order without speaking, without communicating. It's almost, it's just like magic. It's like, how did that just happen? And yeah. if I, you, like, you get the last card down and everyone will always cheer because it just seems like this impossible task that you'd have just done just because you were completely in tune with each other. And it relies yeah. on everybody, you know, taking part. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah that sounds fun. Yeah. Yes, that's um, how, how one of our you? favorites. You yeah. yeah, you tell me what your favorites are. Um, cover your assets. I'm not sure if you've heard oh, of this yeah. game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is that like a pun on yeah so is it like so what what's it what does that involve so you have um you have some cards um i think you get five and if you have a pair so like i have a pair of jewels and so i have this pair of jewels and i put it down mm -hmm. and then like and that's like nobody can take like your initial put down um but then like so the next person has a pair of like car like mm -hmm. so he's got a, a set of cars um so if i want to take what's on your pile like the the top one on your pile i have to have a car oh. in my in yeah. my hand and so i i put this car down and i'm like okay i i want your cars 
And if they have another car in their hand, they can defend it with that car. Nice. And so now this pile of cars is like four cards long, you know? And so these like these little piles can grow as they like change hands and people defend and everything like that. And so whoever has the, the most value. So like each, you know, the cars are worth like $25,000 and, you know, the jewels are worth $15,000 or whatever. So yeah. then you add up how much money you have at the end and whoever has. This sounds great. Money. And again, it's one of those kind of, it's quite a simple premise, but you can, I can already Very imagine simple. the sort of tactics, particularly in a group, yeah. you don't put all your cards down at once, don't you? Like tempt someone in with some and then you're like, oh, I've got another one. And then the other person's like, I've still got another one, you know? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. I like, yeah. yeah. So, so it's called really, Many families think that board games will be sort of second fiddle to video games, but actually they're really resurging, as you, I'm sure you know. Um, and most kids who like video games, they will quickly warm to board games because it, it ticks that same kind of interesting mechanics and the, the barrier and the ability kind of match each other. And um, yeah, so we, we actually play more board games than video games at the minute in my family. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. Well, this has been a wonderful conversation, Andy. Right. It was so good to talk to you. A, I could listen to your British accent all day long. It's, <laughs> that's very kind. It's, <laughs> it just sounds like I can listen to somebody talk in a British accent forever. The problem is my... I, I, sound, I sound like I know what I'm, I, I'm talking about, even if I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you do. You do. Like, so there, I used to work at Disney World in Florida and I would talk on the back of the tram and I'm talking to this little, like, I don't know, she was like six years old, like this little six-year-old girl on the back of the tram. And she has this great British accent. And like, and I'm like, oh, you know, where are you from? She's like, I'm from East Sussex. <laughs> and, and I'm like, she sounds like such a little adult. Like she knows yeah, everything know. and she's six. <laughs> yeah. It's a Harry Potter effect. <laughs> right. So yeah. thank you so much for this conversation. It's great. Yeah, um, I really enjoyed it. It's nice to have some, you know, have some time to go don't do this that often these days so and thanks for the you know, kind words for the, about the book and you know all the, the things you're saying as well I feel like I've learned some stuff as well the, the suggestions you, you brought were great too yeah um so yeah if you guys have any um we're going to leave all those description or the, all those links in the description so definitely check that out um and yeah we will talk to you next week so next uh next week's live is going to be all about toys so that should be um fun so like tech toys like stem toys things like that cool so. sounds good all right we'll see you guys later thank you